We'll turn to our second reading, uh, the reading which I'll be primarily focusing on tonight. Luke chapter 10 and verses 38 uh, through to 42. This is God's word. Now, as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village, and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. But Martha was distracted with much serving, and she went up to him and said, Lord, Do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion which will not be taken away from her. Let us just pray before we come to God's word. Our Father, we thank you tonight for your word. Your word is truth. Your word gives life. And your word reveals to us your will for us. Lord, as we come to consider this portion of your word from Luke chapter 10, we ask, our Father, that you would give us uh, minds that are not distracted Minds which will listen, minds which will think, and minds which will look to put these things into practice. Lord, we are your children, and we desire to do your will. We desire to obey you and to be pleasing in your sight. So, Lord, minister to us now, we pray, and help us in Jesus' name. Amen. So the title of my sermon tonight is Having a Merry Heart in a Martha World. And I want to look tonight at these two sisters. I love to read of these two sisters. And I think they have much to teach us in the days in which we live. I think one of the words that if I was to ask you, how is life at the moment... The most common word that would most likely turn up is the word busy. We live in a terribly busy world. And yet many of the things that we have help us to save time. We have washing machines that will wash our clothes. We have uh, the internet which will help us buy gifts which get delivered to our door. We have online banking on our phone which we can move finances around without even needing to visit a cash machine anymore and we have all these wonderful conveniences that make us save time and yet the world in which we live when we save time that something else immediately comes in and it's something that we must do and so in today's society people are moving from place to place doing 
different things and they're supercharged and they're living off adrenaline. And we look at even many of the news sites and they're starting to, to ask the question, is actually these things a good thing that we're always plugged in and we're always busy? But even in the, this culture, which is probably the fastest there's ever been, people have always been consumed with busyness. My mother-in-law just turned 70 there this week, and yet when she visits our house, I've never seen a lady so uh, busy. She helps out with so many things. She's finished one thing and she's on to the next. She never has a sit down. And it's always been that way for her. She's always been a busy wife on a farm. Martha is also an example of this, of uh, somebody who was busy, always uh, looking, uh, loving to serve others. And I love Mary and Martha because I think Martha and Mary were probably two of the first disciples to believe the gospel. Mary believed in the cross before the crucifixion, which is evidenced by her anointing Christ for his death. Martha, and as we read in, in John chapter 11, she confesses Christ and she realizes that he is the resurrection. And she gives that great, uh, that great testimony, that great confession that she believed him to be the Christ. And yet Mary and Martha realized these things, but yet his own disciples, they didn't realize these things. As we read, that when they were going to Bethany, they thought that Christ was going, that they were just going to die with Christ. They had failed to realize just who Christ was and what his work was to accomplish. But yet Mary and Martha had very different personalities. Martha was the kind of woman who today would have uh, that tick list of all the things that she wanted to do in the day and then she would tick them off as she goes along and she would always be moving from place to place and wouldn't have much time to, to talk to those who she met on the way. Whereas Mary was more of a contemplative sort of person. She would have thought about things, that she wouldn't have rushed things, she would have taken her time. Maybe an example is if they were walking along and saw a nice bunch of roses. Maybe Mary would have been the person that would have stopped to smell the roses and to admire their beauty. Whereas Martha would have maybe just cut them off and arranged them into a nice bowl and displayed them in her house. So this evening I want to look at three points. I want to look at firstly Martha. I want to then secondly look at Mary. And then thirdly I want to look at how Mary and Martha should complement each other in our lives. We should have a merry heart in a Martha world. So firstly, Martha. Well, it can be easy to be critical of Martha in this passage that we just looked at. She uh, rebukes Jesus for not asking Mary to go into the kitchen and to help her to, to, to prepare the food and to prepare the hospitality for those who were visiting their home. And it can be easy to be critical of Martha to say, she shouldn't have done that. Uh, but I don't believe that we should be too harsh on Martha tonight. Because from the scriptures, we know Martha to be a sincere believer. And she was a passionate follower of Jesus. 
in John chapter 11, which we read in verse 5, it says that Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. And since Jesus loved Martha, it's not for us to depreciate her or to, to criticize her because she is one who Christ loved. And it was Martha's joy to entertain guests. It's a testament to her that in the scriptures that when Jesus would have came to Bethany, he would have went to the house of Mary and Martha to find, uh, receive refreshment, to have shelter, to be fed. And hospitality is one of those gifts that Martha is a great example for us uh, because hospitality is something to be found amongst the servants of God. In First Peter, Peter writes that show hospitality to one another without grumbling. As each has a gift, has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. Or Paul backs that up in Romans chapter 12. He writes, contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. And Martha excelled in hospitality. So in Luke 10, when we read that Jesus comes to visit, she gets to work. She sets about preparing this feast. But she seeks to accomplish more than what she can handle just herself. And haven't you found that yourself, that when you take upon yourself more than you can handle, then you start to grumble, you start to become worried, you start to become irritated that things aren't going to work out just right. And that's what happens to Martha. And can't you just imagine her as she's getting irritated and she's walking by the door to the room where Jesus and every other guest would have been situated. And I'm sure she was maybe rattling those pans a bit louder so that Mary go, Mary, are you forgetting something? Or someone in here that would appreciate your help? Or maybe she would have given those dirty looks as she went by and go, come on, you know, I need your help in the kitchen. And it all takes its toll. And we read in verse 40. But Martha was distracted with much serving. And she went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. And many of us have had that outburst. I know I have. Where I've got so irritated that I've just rebuked somebody for something that I thought they should be doing. Often it happens on the football pitch. But her fault, and I, I don't know if Martha instantly regretted what she did, but her fault wasn't that she served, because that should be the condition of every Christian, as I just quoted from Romans chapter 12 and 1 Peter chapter 4. It should be the, the condition of every Christian that, that we serve. And her fault wasn't, wasn't that she served much. For we can never do too much in the service of our master. Instead, Luke tells us what the problem was. In Luke chapter 11 verse 40 at the start there, it says that, But Martha was distracted with much serving. And that was her condition. If you're reading from a version such as the King James, it says she was cumbered with much serving. And so I wanted to look at two aspects of 
what's happened here. Firstly, Martha was distracted. She focuses on the serving, causing her to forget the master. And it's on this point, I think, today, many of us need to stop and take notice. We have good motives in serving the Lord. We desire to do it well. But we can often do it in a way that we fall into the same error as Martha does. We can become distracted. We can think about, have all, is, is all the tasks for tonight's club being allocated? Are all the POCFA forms in? Has the attendance register been completed? What do you mean Jimmy hasn't arrived tonight? Who's telling the story then if he isn't here? And these things we can become weighed down with and we can soon become guilty of complaining that we even have to do the work at all. It's possible to serve the Lord as Martha did and yet to do it in a very unattractive way. We lose focus as to why we do the work at all. Souls are perishing. The Lord calls us to be a light to this world. And the master deserves the best of our service. The second thing is fault finding. Martha's words to Jesus in verse 40, they don't come across uh, as soft. They seem rather harsh. The fact that she complains to Jesus publicly rather than taking him to the side and, and asking him privately shows that she wanted Jesus to notice all the work that she was doing while her sister was not pulling her weight. And when we do this, this is a sign of our lack of humility. When we think of the faults of others rather than taking the time to think upon our own. Martha thinks that Mary is at fault, but when she takes a step back, she could realize that she could have prepared a feast at any time. But it wasn't every day that Jesus comes to your house and that he's teaching all those present. And it's the same for us. Jesus' visits are not to be wasted. Whenever we meet together to worship, it's a time when Jesus comes to serve us. And isn't it true that the more spiritual the exercise, the sooner the soul tires of it? Take, for instance, we were singing the hymn earlier talking about prayer. And the hymn writer talks about that passage from Exodus chapter 17 of the Israelites fighting the Amalekites. And we're told that Joshua goes into the valley to fight the enemy. And he doesn't tire. But yet Moses goes up to the hill and he goes to pray. And he tires in prayer. And we're told that Aaron and her have to hold up his arms and that when Moses' arms are held up and he prays, that it's then that the armies of Israel prevail over the Amalekites. And isn't it a wonderful picture today of us as well, that it's easy to do work, but it's difficult to do the spiritual things. It's difficult to spend that time in prayer. It's difficult to be uh, silent with God rather than to be active in say a children's club or a summer camp or whatever that work may be. You know, maybe the person that we fault find with or, or complain about, maybe they're like Mary. 
Maybe they're the ones who are honoring Jesus by sitting silently at his feet. But I love Jesus' response here to Martha. Verse 41, he says, Martha, Martha, you're anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken away from her. Martha had accused Jesus of not caring, but of course he cared. Jesus doesn't take sides here. He doesn't send Mary into the kitchen to help Martha. He doesn't bring Martha out of the kitchen to sit at his feet. Instead, he knows what's brewing in her heart. And the first words he says is, Martha, Martha. They're tender. They immediately ease the storm. And he highlights her condition to her. He says that what she's doing is good, but it is not the one thing that is necessary. And here Jesus doesn't open up for us what that one thing that is that is necessary, but instead I believe he gives us a picture as to what it is he's talking about. And that, per- that thing or that person is Mary. Mary chose to sit at the feet of Jesus and to hear his words. Now don't think that Mary was lazy here. Don't think that Mary preferred listening to sermons rather than doing her work. Rather, she was someone who gave more attention to the care of her soul rather than to her body. Mary had a readiness to believe and accept and to delight in the things that Jesus had to say, no matter how hard the message was. And sitting at the feet of someone is a sign of submission. It's in her own home. She doesn't look to have a place of honor in her own home. She seeks to have a place of where she can uh, be humble and, and uh, to the position of a student before her master. And it's the same for us. To be truly great, we must humbly sit at the feet of Christ. Every believer is called to grow in their understanding of the gospel of Jesus Christ. We're called to understand the teachings of the Bible. We're called to understand these great doctrines that have been handed down to us. And we are to examine how these wonderful truths apply to our day-to-day lives as we seek to live for Christ. Mary most likely heard things that were hard to hear. We see that in John chapter 12 when she anoints the feet of Christ and she understood that Christ was to suffer and to die. The rest of the disciples they failed to grasp that message. But Mary understood it and she saved this expensive ointment so that she could anoint Jesus for death. And it is an act that is well pleasing to Christ. And he knew that she saved it for this occasion. And when the rebukes came from the disciples, he stood up for Mary and he praised her for what she had done. And it's the same for us today. Perhaps some of the things that we read of in the scriptures 
They're hard to hear. They're things that the world, especially today, do not like us to hold to. And they seek to make us to compromise these truths that God has given to us. But we're not to deviate from them. We're to be like Mary and to be faithful to them, even if they are hard to hear. I love the writings of C.H. Spurgeon, and I have a quote here from him. He says that those who think not, who meditate not, who commune not with Christ, will do commonplace things very well. But they will never rise to the majesty of a spiritual conception or carry out a heart-suggested work for Christ. Aye, it is not your thoughtless service performed by your souls or half asleep. It is that which you do for Christ with eyes that overflow, with hearts that swell with emotion. It is this that Jesus accepts. May we have more of such service as we shall have if we have more of sitting at his feet. Martha feared that time was wasted. But time is never wasted while you're feeding your soul. It is the lie of the world, the flesh and the devil that says that it's more important to get out there and do things than to spend that time in prayer and in communion with Christ. I, th I think I remember a quote from Martin Luther even that he said, I have a very busy day today, so I must spend five hours in the morning in prayer. That's the emphasis that he gave on prayer and he knew the importance of it. Contemplation, worship, growth in grace are not unimportant. They are essential. Otherwise, we serve on our own strength and restrict the divine blessing. Listen to Christ when he says that Mary has chosen that good portion which will not be taken away from her. These things are of lasting value. May we endeavor to follow her example and to benefit from these lasting things that Christ has given to us. So we've looked at Martha, we've looked at Mary. Now let us look at what can we learn from these two ladies for today. Well, balance is a word that we hear much of today. It's often on the side of food packaging to be enjoyed as part of a, a healthy uh, lifestyle. And the same requirement for balance is needed for our spiritual lives. But let's be honest, it's not easy. As we've already looked at, we're not spiritually healthy if we do not commune with Christ and, and meditate upon his words. But on the other hand, we are not what we should be if we're not active in the work of the kingdom and living a faithful life for Christ. We must not be so active that we neglect communion, but we mustn't be so contemplative as well that we become unpractical. And Luke 10, where we, this passage comes from, it, it's, itself is a, is a chapter of service because at the start of the chapter we read of Jesus sending out the 72 disciples two by two, service for God. And then we read of the parable of the Good Samaritan, service for others. And it's no coincidence that Luke 
by inspiration of the Holy Spirit, puts this passage at the end to remind us that, that while we abound in service and doing good to others, we must not fail to nourish our own souls with divine truth. I can't answer the question as to how do you find that balance in your life. It is something that requires sacrifice. It is something that requires us to reevaluate our priorities. Yet, let me offer some suggestions and thoughts that I have found helpful for my own life. Firstly, it's the realization that we are not needed. The Lord got on very well before we were born. And he will get on exceedingly well after we are dead. Our service for Christ can never be necessary because he does not need us at all. The Apostle Paul wrote or said in, in Acts chapter 17 that God is not served by human hands as though he needed anything since he himself gives to all mankind life and breath and everything. God doesn't need us. But he values our service. In fact, he demands our service. But what we do for Christ is not the heart of our relationship with him. He wants us to know him and to be with him. Secondly, don't be anxious. We've already looked at it's easy to be distracted by the many things that must be done. Whether the work is bearing fruit or not. But if we've truly done our best, if we've worked heartily to the Lord, if we've bathed that work in prayer, then being anxious won't improve anything. At the end of it, we can say, Lord, may your will be done. The work is the Lord's, and it is Him who gives the increase, it is Him who is in control. You know, it's the times when I think that my service has gone terribly bad. It's at those times that the Lord has often used it to remarkable effect. And vice versa, the times that I think have gone really well are the times that haven't really gone that well at all. Peter, I think, offers this great advice in First Peter chapter 5. He says that we should cast all our anxieties on him because he cares for you. And thirdly, let Jesus serve you. Martha viewed life as doing something for others, for Jesus himself when he visited her home, rather than taking from Jesus the one thing that is needed from him. When we take a step back, we must ask ourselves, what can we really do for Jesus? The answer is nothing. Without him, we can do nothing. So view, don't view things like your, your time spent with God each day as something that you must do for Jesus. Rather, take it as an opportunity, as something that he can do for you. It's during the, these times that we truly appreciate and are grateful for the things that Christ has done for us. Things that are so amazing, so matchless, so unspeakable and so glorious. So let us sit at the feet of Jesus too and take for him the things that we need. So in conclusion, 
In John chapter 11, we read of the death of Lazarus. And we're told that many came to console Mary and Martha at the death of their brother. And when Jesus comes to to visit to the, the house of Mary and Martha, I think there's something very interesting here. Because I think Martha has listened to Jesus. Because it is Martha that goes to meet with Jesus. Old Martha, I'm sure, would have been looking to make sure everyone in the house had a cup of tea who were coming to visit. But yet Martha leaves all, her, all the, the, the mourners behind and she goes to talk to Jesus. Now Mar- Martha's maybe still a little bit Martha, just as often we would say Peter is still Peter at times. Because there's often a hint of rebuke here in, in John chapter 11 that Jesus, if he had come sooner, then Lazarus wouldn't have died. But yet, in that conversation, great fruit comes forth in the life of Martha. Because she understands the power then of the resurrection. And she makes that great confession in church history, which mirrors that of, of Peter in Matthew chapter 16, where she says, Yes, Lord. I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who is coming into the world. Martha could only come to such a conclusion by choosing that one thing herself. And I don't doubt that Martha ever didn't want to spend time with Jesus, but that rather she wanted to spend time with Jesus and be in the kitchen at the same time. And that's a wonderful thought for us, isn't it? Because today we are privileged with that, that we can spend time in the kitchen and yet we can commune with Jesus at the same time through the work of the Holy Spirit. What about you tonight here? If, if you're here and you're not a believer, do you have that faith that Mary and Martha had in Christ? Can you confess with Martha that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, who is coming into the world, who is the first, who is the the resurrection and the life, that through him we can have life and life eternal. I urge you to sit at the feet of Christ, to read what he has to say in his word, and to test it and to see, is this the truth? Or is the world telling us the truth. So may we all learn from Mary and Martha this evening about the kind of relationship we need to have with God. Let us examine our lives this evening and with the help of God assess our priorities and seek to find that balance of service and communion with God. May we have a merry heart in a Martha world. Amen.